Okay, okay, so I got some serious stuff to talk to you about this morning. But let, let me begin right here with just a quote from Napoleon Bonaparte. Uh, y'all, y'all know him. He's the little short guy, you know, stick his hand in his, you know, you remember the, y'all ever seen that picture, you know, where he stuck his hand, you know? You know? Uh, now, he was, he was not a, a, a great uh, religious man. He was not a great moral man necessarily, but he's a great leader. And he said this about leadership. He said, the role of a leader is to define reality and give hope. One of those is not enough. You've got to have both of them. It's not enough to just give hope. There's a lot of, uh, sadly today, I think there's a lot of sermons that all they're doing is giving hope. But you don't need just hope. You need to understand the reality that the hope is helping you deal with. So you need the reality. And so the, la- the, the first two sermons that I've preached to you, we, we've done a lot of talking about reality. We're going to talk a little bit more about reality this morning. But what I really want to do is I want to show you the hope that you and I have in this kingdom, is the kingdom of hope. Now, if somebody were to ask me, and I got people asking me these kind of things all the time, what is the one most important thing I need to know about da-da-da-da-da? And if, if you were to ask me that about this sermon series, what is the one most important thing I need to know about this sermon series? You know what? I, I can't tell you that because there's not one. If there was, I would have preached about 10 minutes the first, the first uh, week. And we wouldn't come back. You know, there wouldn't have been anything else to tell you. There wouldn't have been anything else to share. So uh, I can't tell you what the one most important, but I can tell you what the one most important thing is for the beginning of this message. But you know what? By the time I get to the end of this message, I'm going to be telling you about another one most important thing because there are so many important things. But let me tell you this one. Here's something you need to get is the importance of, and I know this is going to sound just just like a plug here, but you need to hear this. You need to understand the importance of coming to weekly worship together with Christians every single week. Let me tell you why, okay? You need to understand this importance, and, and here's the reason. is because all week long, you live in a kingdom of darkness. All week long. How many hours do you spend in the kingdom of darkness? And so every week, you need this opportunity to be together in the kingdom of hope. You need to look at faces that have smiles. You need to look at faces that have bright eyes. You need to look at faces of people that are, that are overcomers and have victory in their life and, and, have, and have, have conquered whatever demons they've faced this past weekend. And man, I'm still on top. And, I'm still, and you need to hear stories. I mean, I've heard testimony just before the service today, walking around out there and people testifying, telling me things of great stuff that is happening. You need to hear that kind of thing. You need to hear that stuff because you have the kingdom of darkness beating you down all week long. And, and think about this. If you've got teenagers... If you have teenagers in your family, every day, think about, the, think about the multitude of stuff that is thrown on them in the kingdom of darkness out there. And I, and I know we think about, yeah, that school and all, well, school, yeah, friends, everything, and then the social media stuff, and then all the other electronic gadgets and stuff, and everything that they deal with, the, the, the movies and the entertainment and all those other things that are going on in their life. And, and, and we look at that and think about, yeah, they get all that, and then we bring them to church for an hour and 15 minutes once or twice a month. And think that's going to be enough? No, they need to be here more. If you've got teenagers, they need to be here. They need to be in small group. They need to be on Sunday. They need to be in small group. They need to be on Wednesday night. If you've got kids, they need to be. You know what? I walked through the kids' department back there. You know what? I, I, I really feel like I'm walking through the kingdom of hope. You walk back there, and, and it's joy, and, and it's excitement. It's like a kingdom of hope that is there. If you've got kids, man, you need, you need them to be there, and they need to begin to understand even at an early age. How important it is to, to come to this kingdom of hope on a regular basis. And they, they need to be here on Wednesday nights for Royal Rangers. 
The, the kingdom of hope, the stuff that helps them shake off all that kingdom of darkness for girl stuff. On Wednesday night, they need to be here. Your spouse needs to be here. Your spouse needs to be in, in, in a place that they are, they are seeing these things that, 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 that helps them remind, you know, because here, here's the thing. Nobody really will tell you the truth. I mean, do you even know what the truth is anymore? I mean, like this Ebola thing, okay, right? Ebola, right? Okay, is everybody scared now? I mean, Ebola, I mean, it's like this, it's, it's worse than a Halloween boo, you know? It's Ebola, I mean, you know, if you want a, the scariest costume this year, probably dress up like the Ebola virus, you know? Because, and, and, I mean, that's the thing that's, yeah, it's on everybody's mind. I saw somebody uh, post on Facebook this week. Did you see the picture? The picture of the guy, you know, in the white lab coat standing behind the podium and the microphones and the people are all behind him, you know? And, and there's a picture of him and he is addressing, you know, and, you know, and he's, glasses, you know, and all that, and he's addressing. And the caption underneath it is this. The guy says, every movie I have ever seen about a zombie apocalypse begins with a guy in a white lab coat saying, there's nothing to worry about. It's going to be okay. You know, and so we've got the right wing and the Republicans that are using this with everything they've got to try and make this an issue against the White House and the administration. And then we've got the other side, the left side, and the Democrats who are doing everything they can to say, oh, the Republicans are just trying to blow this all out of proportion. And so you know what we end up with? Is Ebola is not, I mean, it's not even a medical issue anymore. It's a political issue. It's not even medical. I mean, people, you know, people aren't dying. You know, no, that's not it. Somebody might not get elected. I mean, that's what it's become in this country. Who do you trust? Who can you trust anymore? Because when you look and you hear what people on TV what people in the news are talking about, it's not about us anymore. It's about them, how they get elected and whether or not they get elected. And it's not, and so, you know, we don't even know what to believe anymore. So there is no truth in the kingdom of darkness. We have to come to the kingdom of light to get the truth. And I know what some of you are already thinking. Yeah, but I get that, Pastor. I get that every time I open my Bible. Yes, you do. But we, we humans, we have an uncanny ability to take a little bit of scripture and make it say whatever we want it to say. Well, I got about three amens. We do. And, and I know you do because I do it too. I do it too. There are times, I'm just going to be honest, this is confession time for pastor, okay? I'll be honest with you. There are times that I'm studying, preparing my sermon, preparing a message, and I think of, a, I think of another scripture, and I say, oh, wow, da, 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 and I'm thinking, man, that, that is really good. That'll fit here. And so I, I, I go to, you know, go to the computer, you know, and I start opening that scripture up and, and looking at it, and I read, oh, it say, that doesn't say what I remember it saying. So you know then what the temptation is, don't you? Let me see if I can find it in a different version that will say what I need it to say for this sermon this morning. I'm sorry, but yeah, your pastor has done that until finally God gets it through my head that, hey, what you're thinking of, if you're going to make a speech, it'll be awesome. But if you want to preach the truth, amen? And listen, with you, you know, a lot of times we go to Scripture to prove what we think we already know. Oh, come on, we do it, you do it. And you're looking for, instead of really looking for the truth, and that's why we need to be in a place like this. We need to come together with other people that can challenge us. I heard somebody say this yesterday, and I thought, man, we all need a person. We need somebody like this in our life. They said they had to sit with someone close to them, and they had to, and they had to listen to their story, and they had to tell them, they had to look them in the face and say, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard come out of your mouth. You need somebody like that in your life. 
Come on, some of you should have nudged your, your spouse right then and said, amen. What he just said, amen. You need somebody like that in your life who can say, that is the dumbest thing I have ever heard in my life has ever come out of your mouth. You need somebody like that. And you know what? You don't get that with the TV evangelist. Because you, you don't share your heart where you get, you don't get that. With somebody that, you know, you just pass, you know, a, another Christian at work that you just pass on the way in. You don't get that. You know where you get? You get that right here. This is the kingdom of hope personified right here in the flesh. You need to be here because you need to be beating down that kingdom of darkness every single week. You get an hour and 15 minutes with me and with your brothers and sisters right here. And this has to be drive down all that other junk that gets thrown into your life by the kingdom of darkness every week. This is important. That's reality. You don't live. You don't live. You, know, you ever read, and somebody was talking about this the other day, how, you know, you know your Bible story books back when you were a kid? You know, and you read those and it tells you all these things and, and then, then you grow up and you get the real full Bible out, you know, and you see all this death and destruction. You know, and you see all these evil kings, and you see how all these people torture one another. And, and, you know, Jesus died on a cross. Oh, it's really sweet and pretty, you know, the way it is in a, in a children's book. I don't even know if I've ever seen, even seen a cross, you know, in a children's book. And then you read what he really went through. You see, you need to know the reality. And the reality is there is a true spiritual warfare that is going on every single day of your life over your family over your future, over, over your, the blessings that God wants to put in your life, over your marriage, whether you're married right now or you're going to be married one day. You, there is a spiritual warfare going on right now. That's the reality. And because of that reality, you need this fellowship on a regular basis. Now, this is not just a sermon about church attendance. This is a sermon about getting to that hope. But let me tell you, one of the steps of getting to that hope is this right here. And small group and being together, and where somebody can challenge you, okay? That's one of the challenges. So I wanna, I wanna take you to the hope. But let's start with Daniel. Daniel, okay, Daniel, Daniel had the ability to interpret dreams. Daniel had the ability to interpret dreams and tell people what things meant. So let's go, and let, and let me show you some of, of where Daniel is, uh, is, uh, is defining reality for the king. Okay, and, and this, is, this is King Nebuchadnezzar. Remember, he's the king, first introduced you to the first week. He's the king that, 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 uh, that overthrew Jerusalem, and he took the, the, those choice young men, he took them away to Babylon. Okay, now, now Nebuchadnezzar, he's done a lot, of, a lot of bad things. And so, so God gives him a dream in the middle of the night, and nobody can interpret the dream, but Daniel starts interpreting the dream. And here's what the dream says. You've got the verse there, but I'm not going to take, take time. We've got a lot of scripture to read this morning. I'm not going to take time to read all of it, okay? But there you've got, you've got all the references right there. I'm going to give them up there so you can write them down if you want to. You can find them on the Sunday's page also a little later if you need to, or even right now on your smartphone. But what Daniel says is you're about to lose your mind. I mean, read it. That's what it's saying. He said, you're going to lose your mind, and you're going to live with the animals. You're going to be out there with the animals. You're going to, you're going to be driven away from mankind. Nobody, you're, you're, going to, you're going to look like an animal. You're going to look like a werewolf. I mean, that's probably what I would say. You know, if, I, if this were not the, the NIV, the New International Version, but the Rick Version, I would say he was going to be a werewolf. He was going to look like a werewolf. He was going to live with the animals. And, it's going to, and, and for seven times, and we believe that means for seven years, or, but seven times passing over you. I don't know exactly that that's, but that appears to be what it means. That seven times passes over you until you finally decide that you're going to give God credit for who he is and what he does. And when you do that, 
You're going to receive, your mind is going to come back to you. And so, and, and so that's the hope that he gives, that he gives to Nebuchadnezzar. That's in the next verse. It says, the command to leave the stump of the tree. In your vision, you saw the stump of this tree. Even though you were cut down, the stump is still there. And, and the stump still being there says that, that your kingdom will be destroyed when you acknowledge, when you acknowledge heaven, the kingdom will be. So, so here's what happens. A lot of people check out. They check out when you start talking about the reality of a spiritual warfare. They start checking out when you start talking about the things that they have to do. Thank God for grace. Can I get an amen? Thank God for grace. Thank God for grace. My sins are forgiven. Did you hear the song we sang a few moments ago? My sins are forgiven and his blood has made me whole. I mean, he didn't just forgive my sins, but he's made me whole. I'm whole. I'm complete because of his blood. But there's something else. And this is where a lot of people, I just want the grace part, Pastor. I don't want the rest of it. But you don't understand what is happening against your family, against your life, if you don't pay attention to the rest of this. So we like to check out. And and we never get to the hope if we don't also hear the reality. The reality is there's a spiritual battle taking place over your life. So he gives gives reality and he gives hope to Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar has a son named Belshazzar, Belshazzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar... Remember, he's the one that took all the articles out of the temple. But Belshazzar was the one who did something evil with him. You know what he did? He was having this big old party, had all these people in. They were getting drunk, and they were, they were doing things that you and I, we don't like to talk about. We don't even like to admit that adults do. They were doing those things. I mean, they were having a wild party. And he sent over to the treasury to get the articles that came out of the temple of God. And they poured wine in them. They started drinking out of And I mean, they were getting drunk. And they were doing despicable things and drinking out of the articles that came out of God's own temple. And so uh, what happens then is, is God's fingers, his, his hand, shows up in the room and starts writing on the wall. Now Belshazzar, God's got Belshazzar's attention. And he's like, oh, no. And so he, nobody can tell him what the writing means. Oh, I don't know what these words mean. What, what is God saying? And now they understood the words. They could read the words, but they didn't know what this writing meant. And so finally they sent for Daniel, as I pointed out to you last week, they had to send for Daniel because Daniel would not be a part of the wild riotous party. Yeah, he was where he was supposed to be, right? So they had to send for Daniel. They bring Daniel into the middle of the party so that, so that he, can, he can identify, he can say, this is what it means. He can interpret what the writing on the wall means. And so he tells them. And he, and, and he gives them the reality of this is what it means. He doesn't hold back. See, here's what I know. Is I, I, can't, I can't hold back because if I don't tell you what the reality is, you can't get to the hope. If I can't tell you what the reality is, then you'll never get to the place of accepting it and and enjoying the hope that God wants to put in your life. So you have to hear the the reality. And the reality is, Belshazzar, you've done some despicable things. And now taking these articles in and drinking out of them and being drunk and and doing all these things around these articles of God, God, God can't deal with it anymore, Belshazzar. And tonight, you're going to die. Because the Medes and the Persians, I don't know if you, if you know uh, the kingdoms the, uh, of the, uh, the Babylonian kingdom. After that was the, Medo-Per- was the Medo-Persian uh, Empire. And after that was the Greek Empire. And after that was the Roman Empire, which is when Jesus was born. And so there, here we're at the end of the Babylonian Empire because what Daniel says is tonight your kingdom will pass away and another will take your place. And so what about hope, Pastor? Didn't you say there's some hope? There was no hope. See, here, here's, the, here's the danger of checking out when God starts revealing reality to us. is because Belshazzar never repented. He never admitted, yes, I've done wrong. He, he, he glorified God for giving the interpretation to Daniel, but he didn't say, you're right, Daniel, I've messed up. 
And like his dad, like his dad did, his dad who became like a werewolf for seven years and and repented, and he he didn't honor God in that way. And so because of that, there was no hope to give to Belshazzar. You need to get that. Because he did not accept the reality and embrace and do what he needed to do, there was no hope to give him. So there was no message, there was no, there was no PS on the end of this message that we read here on the, the left side of the screen today. There's, there's no PS there. There's no but Belshazzar because you've done right. But Belshazzar because now you're on your face praying before God. But there's, there's no PS. And so the only hope that is given is given to those who are in the kingdom of hope. And it, and it actually is a hope that is given to Daniel. And you know what the hope is? Let me show it to you. This is chapter 5, and, and let's look over now to chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. It pleased Darius. Who is that? We haven't been introduced to Darius. We don't know. Who's Darius? All of a, all of a sudden, who, who, who's Darius? We've not been introduced to him. We don't know Darius. Who is this guy? We knew Nebuchadnezzar was a king, and his son Belshazzar was a king. Now, who's Darius? Oh, yeah, he's the Medo-Persian king. He's the guy who comes in and overthrows uh, Belshazzar that night and overthrows the entire uh, Babylonian empire in one night. And the very next morning, Darius is king. And it's some, somewhere down the line, it pleases Darius to appoint 120 satraps or like leaders, senators or something like that to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. That's the hope. You see, look at this. Since we met Daniel two weeks ago, he has outlived two kings. He has outlived a kingdom. And he is still in authority. This is the hope you have. That no matter what is going, no matter what the reality is that is out there, no matter what the reality is for them, the hope you still have is you're going to outlive the kingdom of darkness in this world. You're going to outlive Everyone who's ever, ever, ever taken advantage of the authority or power they have over you to do you wrong or to ma- manipulate or, or mishandle you, abuse you, you're going to outlive them. You're going to outlive them. And here's Daniel already outliving two kings and already outliving a kingdom. And, there it's, and still in authority. One of, the, one, of the top, one of the top three, counting the king, one of the top four in the whole nation, the whole empire. And there he is. And we have a similar hope. But first, what do we got to talk about before we get hope? We need to talk about our reality. Let's talk about our reality for just a few moments if we can. Here's our reality. We live in an ever-changing culture. And these are some of the changes that have happened in everyone's, pretty much everyone, the youngest ones of you. These changes have happened in this generation. I mean, I've seen a lot more than this, but these Sexual norms. You know, when I was a kid, it was, it was a shame for a lot of things to become public knowledge. Oh, pastor, they always did it. I'm not saying they didn't do it. Oh, but pastor, you know those, those guys, they were always talking about it in the, in the locker room. I'm not talking about, talking about it in the locker room behind closed doors, in your personal little circles. It's on TV every single evening. Even the shows I watch, you know, some, I'm watching some of the reruns and I'm looking back and saying, oh my goodness, I, you know, I kind of purposefully try to just kind of ignore that. And there it is. It's there. Sexual norms have changed. Same-sex marriage. Do, do, you know what, do, you know what has, do you know what has happened with same-sex marriage? 
First of all, first of all, with, with homosexuality, and, and here's what has happened. It's just in the last few years, the numbers have grown to 65%. The 65% of Americans, American adults, say that we should accept homosexuals. Okay, now, I guess you've got to put that in a context. I accept homosexuals. I accept them into my church. I accept, come sit on the front row with me. I'm not a problem with that. But I don't accept... I don't accept people that do any sins of just saying, accept you in and say, don't worry about it. And I love how Max Licato, he said it this way, Max Licato, if you know Max Licato, he said, God loves you just like you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. That's, that's, that's what it is. And, and, and here, here's the reality. This is what Americans say. Half of Americans today, 50% of Americans today say that we should accept same-sex marriage just like we accept that marriage should include everyone. This is where you and I live today. And if you think, I mean, I know some of you are really upset about the, the, the mayor in Houston, right? You don't know? Go home Google it, okay? The mayor in Houston and, and the subpoenas that she's done to subpoena uh, the four or five pastors in Houston to subpoena uh, their, their, their sermons to find out if they're going to be speaking out against homosexuality. You know, and, she's, and, and, and some of us, we're all upset about that, but let me tell you something. Let me tell you what the reality is. The reality is that is not the worst that has happened or the worst that will happen. But the more and more that this country walks away from God, the further we're going to get into changing sexual norms and to accepting that. But you and I, need, we need to get our head out of the sand and quit acting like we're still living and leave it to beaver or wonder years days. We don't live in those days anymore. We live in a day of spiritual warfare, inclusive culture. They don't understand. They're looking at you and saying, why don't you accept everybody? It's not about accepting everybody. We are accepting of everybody. But here, here's the thing, is, is if we don't say anybody can go to heaven and believe in anything they want to do, you need to accept that everybody else has got their own religion, their own way to heaven. Problem is, I don't know a, I don't know a man alive that knows how to get to heaven. Anybody here? You know how to get to eternity? And, and you know how to get to that? You know how to work any miracles? I don't know anybody alive that's able to do that. So it's, it's not about saying, well, I, just, I don't believe that you're... It's because Jesus said, I am the only way to the Father. And nobody comes except this way. And yet, our culture, this United States of America, I'm not talking about the rest of the world. I'm talking about here in this culture today. Many people are pointing their finger at the church and saying, you need to stop saying you're the only way and accept everybody else's religion as being a way to God too. And it's, it's, it's not me making the declaration, but that's... The reality of where we live in Christian civility. See, here's one of the problems. Is we, we, we see something like this and we want to beat people up over the head. You know, we, we see homosexuals and, and we want to put them down, yet we're still kind of doing our little thing where nobody's seeing, you know. As if their sin is worse than my sin. But how do you see homosexuality? You know what? I see homosexuality the way the Bible sees homosexuality. And the way the Bible sees homosexuality is it's a sin because it's not within the constraints. It's not within the direction of the way God chose for man to live his life. And so what does that mean? That means it's sin. It's sin. Just like stealing from your employer is sin. Or your employee is sin. It's sin just like Cheating on your taxes is sin. It's sin. What, you know, whatever you do that is not in accord with God's will, it is sin. And, and it's just one of those. It's not worse. It's not the worst. But it's on a lot of our pet people. It's like it's the number one sin and everything. But, but you and I have to, have to begin to understand. And we can learn from Daniel. We can learn. You know what Daniel did when he found out there was a law that you could not pray? You know what he did? He just went home 
He, he, he didn't rally the troops. He didn't say, we got we to get a petition on this thing. He didn't need a petition. There was a song a long time ago that says, God and I make a majority. He didn't need a petition. He just went home, opened his window facing toward Jerusalem, where that temple was that he had gone to so many times to pray, and he prayed. Several times every single day he prayed. You know, here's the truth of it. A lot of us, we will rail, rant, and rave over things that are wrong about the world. But we won't do the most important thing that would change it. To just go into our quiet place and, and, and spiritually, if not physically, just spiritually open the windows and look toward heaven and say, God, help us. You know, and, and, and if, you're, if you don't want to spend the time in prayer, then don't waste your time. Don't waste your time trying to change the hearts of men by the stuff you do because you can't do it. You weren't changed by that, and you're not going to change anybody that way. We're not going to change anybody that way. We're not going to change anybody by ranting and raving. We're going to change people. We're going to change people by prayer. And that's what Daniel understood. He learned what the key was. The key was prayer. The key to hope is prayer. You got problems? The key to your hope is prayer. The reality that you, what's your reality? What's the reality that you're living in, that you're dealing with? You know what the key is to your hope through the reality? is prayer. The key to getting out of you, your reality, is prayer. The key to your victory is prayer. On and on and on. I, I, I really need to show you. I really need to show you this closing here. I don't know how we're going to do it. Uh, you got a quick finger today, Tommy? So we can run through these scriptures real quick. Let me show you. Let me show you. This is what Daniel understood, what he learned. And there's several verses of scripture here, so I've got them at the bottom of the screen. They're going to be up for a while if you want to write them down. But again, they're on the Sunday's page. This is in Daniel chapter 9. This is another time. Now, talking about that time when he found out praying was illegal. This is another time. Okay, he prayed daily, several times a day. This is another time. He says, I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition and fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. What did he pray? Let's look. This is what he prayed. When I get to the end, you can just jump on with me if you want to, Tommy, because I know i got to go. Uh, he says, we have sinned and done wrong. He is praying for all of Israel. We have been wicked. We've rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your service. You know what? He could not pray this prayer unless he faced reality. The reality is there's a kingdom of darkness that has invaded Israel, and it's not a physical kingdom, it's a spiritual kingdom. He could not pray this prayer unless he was facing reality. He said, wait a minute, here's the reality, God. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame because of our unfaithfulness to you, because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving even, those we, even though we have rebelled against him. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Now, O oh God, our God, and so and now he's, he's confessed, and now he's saying, hear the prayers, hear the petitions of your servant. And it's, it's like he's saying, God, if there's nobody praying but me, then hear me. You know what? We need some men. We need some women to say, if nobody's going to pray, then God, hear me. If nobody's going to repent for what's going on in this country that used to truly be one nation under God, then God, hear me. If nobody is going to, to, to get a hold of God and not let go until God changes something, then God, just let it be me and hear me. 
And Daniel went, even if he had to go alone, he went. He said, hear the petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. Look around. Wake up. Our country is in desolation. It's falling apart. The, the very fabric of what it was built upon is unraveling right before our eyes. And, and, and we're just like the guy in the white lab coat said, don't worry about it. It's going to be all right. We got a plan. We got a plan. We're going to figure this out. We're going to fix it. But how many more souls are going to die? That's what I want to ask the guy in the lab coat. But how many people are going to die before we figure this out? That's what I want to ask us. How many souls are going to die and perish from this earth and, and end, up, end up separated from God in a place of eternal punishment for eternity because we're still, we got a plan. Don't worry about it, Pastor. I got a plan, Pastor. We got a plan. And pastors have plans. It, there's more that needs to happen. And God, we see the desolation. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Never, you never petition God based on what you've done for him because you'll never, you'll never add up to what he's done for you. God, I don't petition you based on what I've done, but I petitioned you based on your mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. And you see, if you don't know what to pray, that's one reason I've got you all these scriptures ready. Then go grab these scriptures and pray these things right here. And then, uh, no, I'm sorry, back up. I need to read that, that one little phrase there. The verse 23, Gabriel shows up in the middle of his prayers. I don't know if he sees a vision. I don't know if he's actually standing there or what, but Gabriel shows up and he says, as soon as you began to pray, a word went out. All right, you need to get this. Here's what's happening. Gabriel says, as soon as you began to pray, a word went out. But I'm just now getting here. Okay, Some, something's happened between the word going out and me just now getting here. From the time you first started praying and God's giving you an understanding, from there to there, there's, there's, there's something else happened. What, what's happened? I, I wanted to show it to you here. It doesn't explain it right here at the end of chapter 9, but it's, it explains it in chapter 10. But I wanted you to see in chapter 9 because I want you to know this is not a one-time thing. This is normal. This is what happens all the time when God's people are praying and when they're not praying too. This is what is happening. So in chapter 10, beginning verse 2, at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. Okay, I had to skip some verses there. That's why you got dot, 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 okay? I had to skip a lot of stuff, but you don't have time. He said, I, I mourned for three weeks. He talks about, it. I fasted. I didn't eat because I, I had to know something. And I looked up, and there before me was a man. And so probably it was, it was Gabriel again, because the way he describes it. Was probably, but it was most likely an angelic messenger. And he said to him, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. Okay, so, so here again, the same thing that was said at the end of chapter 9 is he's saying right here, the first day you prayed, a word went out from God to me for me to bring to you. But that was 21 days ago. 21 days he's been praying and fasting, and, and, and he says, but, but I, I, I'm bringing you a word that, that was sent from God 21 days ago, but I'm just now getting here. Why? And here's where we see why. The prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Now, here's what you need to understand. This is an angel, and he's not talking about a guy sitting on a throne in Persia, in Babylon. He's not talking about a man. He's talking about a spirit prince. He's talking about Devils, demons, he's talking about the principalities of the air. You know, and that's not something you hear a lot of preaching about these days. 
But if you believe that there's a God and you believe that there's, there are angels, then you believe also that there are demons because the Word of God says one-third of the demons or one-third of the angels got cast out of heaven and they've become evil angels or demons, we call them, or devils, we call them, and that's what they've become. And this, is, and this is what he's saying. He says, for 21 days I've been fighting against the spiritual authority over Persia. This Persian kingdom that you now live in, you were in Babylon. Before that, you were in, 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 in Israel. But this kingdom, this Persian, and I've been fighting with him for 21 days. And then Michael, who is also one of the, we call them archangels, one of the chief angels, he came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Here's what you need to see and understand. Every day of your life, there is spiritual warfare taking place. That when Daniel, and, and you know what it appears that, it appears that Daniel is just now beginning to understand this, that he didn't even know this. So don't feel bad if you never realize this. And that Daniel, he's, he's seeking God and he's saying, God, I'm sorry, please forgive us and, and hear the prayers of your servant. Lord, Lord, save and act. And the angel shows up and says, I was sent here 21 days ago, but I've been in spiritual warfare over this whole area for you. There's always going to be spiritual warfare whether you pray or not. But here's the difference. When you don't pray, you probably are losing. Look at your life. Back up. Think about the losses that you've had and then and, and say, was I really praying during those days of my life? Was I a prayer? Was I a man, a woman of prayer? Did I, did I, did I really talk to God on a regular basis? Think about it. There's always spiritual warfare. There is something the devil is planning against you and he is attacking and God's holding him off as best he can. And there were a lot of atrocities that were, that were perpetrated against the Jews from the Babylonians, from the Medes and the Persians, the Greeks that are coming next, the Romans that are coming right after that. There, but who knows what would have happened had God's angelic armies not been fighting for him. Who knows what would have happened if Daniel had not been praying so, so let me show you the last verse right here, uh, verse, 30, uh, verse 20 in chapter 10. And this is what Gabriel, Gabriel uh, we believe it's Gabriel. It doesn't name him in this chapter, but we believe it's still Gabriel. It says, do you know why I've come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. He said, when I leave, this, this is not going to be over today. There's going to be another spiritual attack against you tomorrow. I'm going back to fight the prince of Persia, who just got here three years ago. We know that from the scriptures. You remember when Babylon was overthrown that night that, that Daniel said, I'm, the handwriting on the wall says you're going to lose it tonight. Three years later, he says, okay, we're still fighting. Now we're not fighting the prince of Babylon. We're fighting the prince of Persia. And when he leaves, when he's done, when we whip him, the prince of Greece is coming in. There's always going to be a spiritual battle. There's always going to be. And the winners are the ones who keep fighting through prayer. You don't have to fight. You don't have to have a sword. Sword of the Spirit is the, is the word of the Lord. All you have to do is you just have to pray. You have to find those scriptures that God puts in your, in your path that you can use as your weapons against all, and you have to pray. And God so desperately wants to give you awesome. He wants to give you much. You know, you've got dreams. You've got dreams for your marriage, for your, for your kids. For your grandkids, you've got dreams. But you can't dream anywhere near as big as God can dream. 
eye has not seen, word of God says, ear has not heard, neither has it even entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for you. He wants to bring it all to you. But just, to, just as sure as we face battles just to get to church on Sunday, you face battles to get to every one of those promises and blessings that God wants to give you. If you, if you doubt that kind of thing, you see, I, I've been, I've been, I just got to share, we're, we're about to close right here, but let me just say this real quick, okay? I, I'm about to invite you to come down the front. We like to close around front if you're a first-time attender, and we invite you to join us. We're just going to have a last final prayer and a last song before we close. But you wouldn't believe the stuff that we've gone through today just to have service here. You know, and I've been wondering, that. now, the devil knows where I'm going with it. I mean, he's seeing, he's reading my notes over, you know, over my shoulder. He knows where I'm going with this. He ain't fought us yet. He wouldn't believe the stuff. This place, this place, there was, there was an event here yesterday, and we had to come in and help clean up this. And I, when I say we, I'm not talking about me, because I didn't. A lot of people got here a lot earlier than me today, had to. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, our lights just started being Christmas lights up there and just flashing all over everything. We've had to turn on these big lights. That's distra- I don't know if it's distracting you. It's a little distracting, Pastor. I don't know about you. Just stuff like that. It's like, you know, I'm thinking, oh, we're going to get these figured out and all that. Because Satan doesn't want you to get anywhere in this service. He wants you to walk right out the door just like you walked in the door. He, he, wants, he wants you to say, well, that was kind of strange and weird. We had to have all the lights on today. And, you know, and I like to pray in the dark while nobody's looking, you know, and kind of, kind of really, yeah, that's exactly what Satan wants your attention on today. And just as sure as we have to fight to have church. You, you think this is the only time we've ever fought to have church? Huh? Just as sure as we have to fight to have church every Sunday. I mean, there are, pe- there are people who fight, who fight this fight every single Sunday just to have church. And so, you know, having to change, you know, change a shirt because your five-year-old spit up on it on, you know, on Sunday morning, you had to go back in and change. I mean, you know, I, just as sure as we have to fight to get here. That's the fight. You're going to have to fight also for every promise and blessing. He's got them right here. He wants to give them to you. You just got to start fighting. Please, would you stand and come to the front with me? And let's all close. And and, and so we can close here together in prayer. I really appreciate all those people that work so hard to help you have church on Sunday. And you just walk in, sit down, and say, man, it's nice today. You need to appreciate them too. I appreciate our worship team. You know, uh, the Sunday I was out two weeks ago, I was on vacation, and today they debuted a new song. Two weeks ago they debuted one, and this week they debuted another, and they were written by Mac and Emma Mackinac, some of our own people right here. And you know, there was one you didn't know, you didn't know today. That's, that's why. You, you hadn't heard it on YouTube. You hadn't heard it from uh, Hillsong or anyone like that. It was debuted here. God's doing some awesome things. He's doing some awesome things in your life. But where grace gets you to a place, you've got to pick up the fight and go on. But the fight is just the prayer. The fight's just the prayer. I asked you last week, I want to ask you again, how many of you have, have a place in your life where you need a miracle? Raise your hand. I need something real. Let me tell you something. Miracles don't happen just because you show up at church on Sunday when it's convenient or when... Something else isn't more important that day. And miracles don't happen just because you show up every single week. 
you got to be fighting every week because you live in a kingdom of darkness. And that kingdom has control over just about everything else in your life. Has control over your boss, maybe, or has control over people all around you, and it whispers something into them, and they're doing it. That's what I mean by having control. Has control. There is no way you're going to get to miracle by just showing up for an hour and 15 minutes. This thing has to be more than an hour and 15 minutes if you want a miracle. You got salvation. That was free. You want blessings for that? You got to fight for them. And the fight is the fight of prayer. I want to start it with you right now. Close your eyes with me. You really need a miracle.